You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1008 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. My name is Brad Rowland, and today's show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Only 95 calories, 2 plus carbs, only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Moment segment coming up later in the episode. First, I want to plug our last podcast with Jackson Frank, in which he and I talked about the Hawks Sixer series going to be coming up. Jackson's very smart and had see, had some Philadelphia information as well. That's definitely worth listening to. A quick turnaround, but because of the short time frame between now and the tip-off at 1 o'clock in Game 1 on Sunday. I want to provide another podcast to you guys a little bit earlier, so jam-packed together. And Tyler Jones will be joining me later on in the podcast. Uh, Tyler's a fan favorite, of course. Everyone loves Tyler, and that will be coming up momentarily. Um, first, though, a couple nuggets to get into before the beginning of the series. Obviously, there's a lot of uncertainty with, with, without Joel Embiid or with Joel Embiid or however that all breaks down, but there are some numbers to get into here. First, the season series. I've gotten some questions about this. The Hawks did lose season series to Philadelphia 2-1. to They weren't as bad as it was against the Knicks in a lot of ways, but it was also pretty useless, honestly, in projecting this series because of the factors in play. So basically, Philly again, 2-1. and The Hawks won their game at home back in January, a long, long time ago, and the Sixers were like a pretty much a G League team that night, except for, except for Embiid. They had Embiid and basically no one else. They were battered by injuries and COVID absences, etc. That was not an NBA team other than Embiid, and that was a blowout in favor of, of the Hawks. Then, in April, they played twice in a row in Philly in the same week, and both were uh, basically sort of skeleton crews for the Hawks. Uh, first, they lost, they lost by 44 on a night when Trey, Bogdanovich, Herter, and Hunter were all out of the lineup. They actually started Brandon Goodwin and Lou and Solomon Hill playing together in that game. It was not competitive throughout the night. And then the second time, they lost by 22. Trey did come back and play in that game, but no Herter, Bogdanovich, or Hunter in that spot. So, not a lot to glean from any of those three games. I wish there was a better sample to sort of draw from for some matchup stuff, but really not a ton to get out of those contests. Also today on the road to the finals, our NBA playoff coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy and 2.6 carbs, not 5 calories. If we can only enjoy the games a little bit more this season. As we discussed with Jackson yesterday on the podcast, the Embiid injury makes for so many caveats that it's like kind of hard to even talk about the keys of the series, but there are some numbers that I want to at least hit on briefly here. These are the two top teams in the NBA in free throw creation rate, according to, according to Cleaning the Glass. So a lot of that is Trey Young and Joel Embiid, who are both very good at creating free throws, but still that's an interesting um, subplot to follow. Which team can get the more, the more consistent free throw attempts in the entire series could be beneficial for both sides. Um, also, Philly's biggest issue on offense this season, at least with Embiid on the floor, is their turnover rate. They're pretty bad at turning the ball over, but the Hawks were also, I think, 29th in the league in turnover creation defensively, so that's maybe negated a little bit by that. Philly does have more shooting now than they used to have with Seth Curry on board in particular, Danny Green, etc. But they do have some spacing challenges potentially in the series. They played Ben Simmons and uh, Matisse Tybel and Dwight Howard, etc. They have some non-shooters that might be exploitable for the Hawks defensively. I will say this. Philly was a top three defense in the league this season. Not a huge surprise. And they were actually still very good without Joel Embiid defensively by the numbers. They were holding their opponents about a 106-107 defensive rating. That is very, very good, even with Embiid off the floor. But overall, and because of this uncertainty with Embiid, this is sort of uh, encapsulates that. The Sixers had a net rating of 0.1 this season with Embiid off the floor, which is actually pretty good, actually. Uh, if you take a superstar off the floor, to be decent in that lineup is not bad. But they were plus 12.0 when Embiid played this season. So that's a massive chasm. There's obviously some noise in there, um, and they would obviously make some adjustments without Embiid, etc. But that's a huge factor, and you could definitely tell that Embiid is the heart and soul of this team. And offensively, they basically went from elite when Embiid played this season to pretty bad, like b- way below average when Embiid sat, no matter who was, was playing for the Sixers. So obviously a lot to get into there, and it's kind of a duh moment that Embiid is hugely valuable to them, but that's definitely the case. And we talked about that with Jackson yesterday. I want to at least put out a couple more numbers before we got into the show with Tyler. Um, before we get to Tyler, though, a brand new segment coming on the podcast and brought to you by our friends at Michelob Ultra. And there'll be some weeks where this is a tough choice, honestly. The Ultra moment of the week this time around is pretty clear for me. And the choice is Trey Young's Dagger 3 in the final minute against the Knicks in Game 5 on Wednesday. On one hand, you could certainly argue that the series was kind of already over when this happened. It wasn't quite as consequential on the floor 
as a result of that. But in terms of, you know, capital M moments from the series, this is probably the one that pops out, at least nationally and, you know, to me and to others, is that Trey delivers that dagger, you know, sort of walk-off level three and then bows to the crowd in New York. He spoke about it after the game. It was definitely uh, one of those viral moments that happened. He tweeted about it, all kinds of stuff. Um, and that'll be replayed for a long time. Uh, that was a fun moment. Um, definitely a lot of swagger happening there from Trey, and the Hawks fans definitely love that as well. So that was a moment to be sure, and also one that uh, sort of put the punctuation mark on what was an awesome performance from the Hawks in that series. Joy is a big part, big part of Michael Moultra, and the Hawks fans have definitely found joy and big-time enjoyment from that performance throughout Game 5 for Trey Young and the entire series. He was the best player on the floor, honestly, the entire way, and they were dominant in the win. So there's much more in terms of tons of other exciting ultra moments with the hashtag ultra moment. 95 calories and 2.6 carbs is only worth it if you enjoy it. Joy creates success, and enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game. The Nickelob Ultra moment this week goes to Trey Young in Game 5 on Wednesday. I am joined now by popular demand. I was candidly not going to do another podcast, but this person just has to be here. It's time between series. Tower Jones is back. Hello, sir. How are you? I guess I'm now number two uh, most favorite guest on the podcast since Bob Rathburn came on uh, last time. So I think I've, I've gone down a peg. And... <laughs> People do like well, Bob. My... Bob's a legend, to be fair. Yeah, but, uh... man. Yeah. When you said Bob uh, narrated your cho- your sports fandom childhood, like that is, that is so true. Like he's been, he's been part of my life since I've been cognizant so like that's uh he's still at it so uh, you know it's pretty cool that to know that you know he he heard my takes on Clint Capella uh, <laughs> and like I said man I, it's irrational and I'm glad it didn't come to that because Capella came through uh, well he didn't come through in game two I was pissed was that the game where he missed no that was game three it's fine but overall like Capella he, he was good old. yes uh and uh, hopefully he can continue that to the next series. But I don't know. I just, you know, Hawks 25, which is what I said was going to happen. That is true. Uh, you were one of the only people that I saw pick Hawks, pick Hawks in five. So victory lap for you. Yeah, I mean, but shout out to the Knicks, though, man. Like, <laughs> what a bunch of hard scrabble, tough, like mentally strong uh, man, what a team. What a team those guys are. Like, what I think the thing I'm looking forward to most uh, playing the Sixers is that, you know, the Sixers at least have enough self-respect to not cheap shot somebody every game. Like, how many elbows did Julius Randle throw and get away with? A few. Like, he, um, I don't know. Julius Randle is not spoiler. Julius Randle isn't one of my favorite players to watch. I've been in disbelief about his season all year. I'm glad the playoffs came, and uh, the scouting report people actually read the scouting report. Uh, you know, during the playoffs, and they were like, "Wait a minute, he can't dribble with his right hand." Bruh, it, like it's. I, I don't know. I, I was listening to some reactions and uh, the locked on Knicks guys who do a pretty good job. Uh, they were talking about how, you know, Mitch Robson might have made a little bit of a difference. And I, I agree with that because their centers were just uh, washed well, up. They had, they, had, they had no threat at the rim the whole exactly. season. Yeah. But, like, my counter is that Trey Young got switched on with Julius Randle multiple times, especially in game five. And all Trey Young did was shade him to not dribble with his right hand, he, it, like, Julius literally couldn't do anything with the ball. Like, he he passed it up. He passed it to Reggie Bullock in the corner and, like, couldn't do anything. I'm like, oh, man, this dude, he, he's done. Like, he's just, he just, the, the playoffs, he just wasn't ready for him. Uh, the Knicks um, were bad. I'm glad the, you know, national media were aware of this. Uh <laughs> I don't know, like this "quote unquote" coming out party with Trey Young. Apparently, he plays winning basketball now. I don't think his game has changed all that much, you know, since high school. But no, I, I think we uh, <laughs> we 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 all know, and this is something we talked about 
last year when they weren't very good is that if you actually watch them, it was not a Trey Young problem <laughs> last season. It was that they had no one around Trey Young or very few. People yeah, but Trae. it's always it's just whatever. I'm glad he finally got some rec- he got recognition he deserved with how well he played. But like, I mean, we had smart people coming at the end of the season saying that Trey Young was worse offensively than he was last year. When I don't know, I'm like, when he's on the floor, the Hawks had a 119 offensive rating during the regular season. And so it's, I don't know, it's just like, whatever, the series is over, the Hawks uh, beat up on the, the Knicks, uh, we don't have to, like, and just a little bit more with the Knicks, I I really don't respect how they played, like, honestly, like, I, I if people think what they were doing is tough, like, that's not. Like, they, they knew they couldn't win. So, literally, all they did was, you know, we're just going to we're just gonna try to get in their heads physically. And then they were getting beat up. Like, they couldn't handle the physicality and started crying like a little bunch of babies. And, like, I, I just don't have much respect for, you know, that type of softness. But uh, that's, I guess that's just how – but I guess Knicks fans loved it because they were cheering it every time, you know, somebody got cheap shot. So, I'm like, all right. Yeah, that was uh, quite, quite an environment by the end, uh, really the entire way, actually. Like, man, DeAndre, DeAndre Hunter. Todd Gibson's so lucky. Oh, man. Like, that that could have been so much worse. Uh, if DeAndre Hunter, like, would have fully committed to getting that ball that John Collins threw, lob. Like, if he didn't have an inkling that Todd Gibson was going to foul him from behind, like, like that could have been really bad for uh, for DeAndre there, and I would have been like inconsolable. Like and like, I, it, but it was just like it was something like that every quarter. Like Julius Randle just throwing a reckless elbow, almost knocked a Congo out, and we got people saying a Congo flip. They're like, what? How, I didn't under, I didn't understand how I was coming foul. Like that was I don't know. The season's over. Hopefully, you know, <laughs> hopefully next series, and like I said, the, the Sixers are an actual NBA team, a good NBA team that, you know, have self-respect and, like, believe they're actually good, unlike the Knicks, who were a bunch of clown boys. And, like, if Knicks fans listen to this, I mean, it's true. Like, you know, Nervous Noel out there playing soccer, uh, and that's and that's y'all enforcer, apparently. So, you know, good luck next year. I don't know. Uh, when Julius Randle and RJ Barrett shoot like 35% from three or worse, and y'all were like a 28 win basketball team, you know, I, I hope y'all remember how, how great a season y'all had because, like, it was, it was a special season for you guys, uh, truly. So, so, yeah. and, and, and you threw it all away in the playoffs, acting like a bunch of clowns instead of like trying to win, like, instead of trying to compete and play actual basketball, y'all, y'all decided to do some fake thuggery. No respect for it. Soft. And like I, I hope I hope they trash next year so much better so I can ground them some more. Like people uh, call, say they got a young team. I'm like, who who's good that's under 20, 24 years old? Like Yeah, that's a that's a Derrick very... Rose is our best player. Like the reason why they made the playoffs this year is because Derrick Rose, when they when they signed him, I mean when they got him in the trade for nothing, like he transformed them and gave them just enough offense for them to for them to actually, you know, be an NBA team. But before that, like, I mean, they play hard, but. I mean, we saw, we, we saw, we saw the playoffs, what they are limited to offensively. And obviously we don't want to do too much on the Knicks, but it's, uh, they were, they might, they made life easier on the Hawks than, uh, most opponents would have. Cause they, they just couldn't score at the end of the day. The Hawks deserve credit too, for getting stops throughout the series. But I mean, it was, it was remarkable how, how they just couldn't score the entire season. I mean, there wasn't even a, I mean, there, I guess there was a half here, a half there where it wasn't so bad, but in terms of like, they, they, they had no, they had no good games, much less. But Brad, Brad, the thing that annoyed me most is that like, they knew, like they gave up as well. Like that's another thing people understand. Like that fourth quarter, like the whole, like Trey Young was like bleeding minutes off the clock, just 
letting the ball roll up the floor. Nobody's pressuring for turnovers. I, I was I was gonna wait, I was gonna wait for your rant it. about that, but I was gonna wait, wait, waiting for your rant about Trey's uh, the rolling up the floor thing with the turnover that people got mad about in Game Five. I mean, <laughs> well, Reggie Bullock fouled John Collins there, but you know they stopped. I mean, they, the refs were feeling sorry for him. You know, they just stopped calling fouls to, to make the score look a little bit better at the end. But like they, but like. I'm, I'm saying, like, the Knicks just gave up. Like, they, they weren't – I mean, they cut the lead to 11 points with two minutes left – with over two minutes left to go in the game. Yeah, it, it, was, like, it wasn't not, over, they and they were not. Like, like, they, weren't, they weren't, like, pressuring the Hawks to do anything on offense. They were just letting them bleed the clock. And it's like, okay, well, you know, we'll just dribble the ball out and uh, we won't start our offense until five minutes, seconds left in the shot clock, and Trey Young just going to – Clown Julius Randle some more. Just gonna uh, go ahead and put the game away uh, as it was. I mean, I don't know. It's. I guess we can transition. I was gonna ask you like, if if you learned anything about the Hawks from the Knicks series. Uh, nah, not really. I didn't think so. Just because. I mean, obviously, <laughs> you and I are watching a lot more Hawks than most people. Um, but I don't think that anything really changed all that much for me either. In terms of, it was encouraging just to have them play that way on that stage and also just good to see the Hawks play with all of their guys on the floor for the first time all season long. But other than, other than that, like individual player wise or whatever, I didn't really learn a whole lot. It's just that they're, you know, as expected, they were pretty darn good when they had everybody on the court. Yeah. I mean, outside of, uh, Nate, uh, uh, just really, buckling down and being like, all right, one of Bogey or Trey has to be on the floor at all times. Like, outside of that, um, not much to take away from what was going on. Like, they knew, like, that's the thing. They knew the Knicks had nothing for them. Like, they knew it. Like, they, and so it was, it got to the point where, you know, even though they were the road team, uh, it was just kind of, it was kind of like routine for them. Like they knew if as long as they run their sets on offense and execute the game plan on defense, the Knicks just aren't going to do anything. Like it's going to be Julius Randle taking mid-range jumpers or trying to do something with his right hand, which he can't do. And they're like, well, we'll just park Capella at the rim. And if somebody gets there, they'll clean it up. Like they didn't even have to play good. Like, I, like, there are a large stretches of the game where I didn't think they even played good defense outside of Capella just and Collins just. Being oh, I, I thought I thought I said something on the pod after the game. I thought game five, their perimeter defense was not good. Like the Hawks gave up a lot of point of attack stuff. They were not playing. I mean, Capella was really good. I thought Collins was pretty good as well. But like their perimeter guys were, like, I think, some of their worst of the series defensively in game five. It, it just yeah. it, it, it just didn't, it just didn't matter. It, it, I mean, it led to a bullet open three pointers, but like. The intensity, and they 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 stepped it up later in the game. Uh, they stepped it up later, but like they were never pressured to really give the type of effort. Like they were giving good effort. Like even with, I will say that like it's not like they weren't giving good effort, but it's different because they weren't really pressured, right? Like they they really felt no external pressure. They could just go through their routines and like they were never really challenged except for that game two performance where I felt like the uh, Knicks crowd did rattle them. But outside of that, like it was just go through the motions. We know if we stick to our game plans, we'll win. And that was kind of it. So like, unfortunately, while on the one hand, it's good that, you know, it's good that they took care of business uh, five games and five games in, you know, dominating fashion. Like we, we're not gonna like next this series. We're gonna learn a lot more about the strengths and weaknesses of this team because um, we kind of just don't. We still don't know. Like we 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 still really don't know what what this team is fully healthy. And so hopefully we get a better idea against a better opponent. Yeah, that's a a good way to put that. All right, before we get to this extra series and much more, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. 
With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models in the car or truck world, it's now impossible to stock all the parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why would you endure often pointless questioning from someone at a storefront and have to wait while someone at the counter orders the parts on the computer, only choosing the brand that the warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com right now, both at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for all the audio and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need, just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is uniquely and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your car and choose the brands, specs, and prices that you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. And from there, you went right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box to know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Built Bar is wonderful, as I always say on the podcast, but what is your favorite Built Bar flavor? Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor? And when you talk about Built Bar, it's always a passionate thing for people that really enjoy their own flavors. And if you don't know the flavors, you're really missing out. It's coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, and many more. There's something for everyone. And my favorite flavor right now, anyway, I have many favorites, to be honest with you. But right now, I'm really loving the peanut butter brownie. That's just one that I'm really enjoying. I like to dive into that as much as possible. I always uh, talk about how much I enjoy Bilt Bar, and that is the one that I am diving into at this moment in time. If you haven't tried the flavors, though, get a mixed box right now where you get two of each of the nine available flavors at this moment in time. And not only are the Bilt Bar flavors fantastic, they're also very healthy. Most flavors have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, only 4 grams of net carbs, and a couple others have even more protein if you enjoy that kind of thing. Order today, get that raspberry or mint brownie or whatever you would like, and if you do it in the near future, you go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, 15% off your first order with Built Bar. Use promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, Tyler, uh, I want to get your thoughts on what's to come. And obviously, the big domino is Joel and B. We just can't answer that, quite obviously. But I guess my question to you first as we, as we get into this is, you know, everyone understands that, that it's a big swing whether he plays or not but how big of a swing like how do you feel about the series if Embiid is suddenly healthy and playing and how do you feel about it if he's not able to play well let's get this out the way if he's playing he's not healthy like a meniscus tear for somebody that size I don't care how small they, they're claiming it is like there's there's just no way there's there's no way he's going to be 100% right and so we're going to get a, a limited Embiid if he is playing, if he's not playing, like, I just don't know. Like, the Hawks should win the series. And I think they should win, win it uh, fairly comfortably. Um, just due to, one, the Sixers' offense really doesn't scare me without Embiid. Like, he's their, he's their focal point on offense. Like, he's by far the most, like, in the half court, if it's not him, uh, in the game, causing uh, causing problems, getting getting uh, getting uh, Capella in foul trouble, or making shots in the mid range, making his open three pointers. Like I don't know the Tobias Harris pick and roll game, like that that doesn't scare me. Um, ben Simmons offensively, like I think it's cute that there are still human beings that think he's a good offensive player. Uh, even though he, 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 I don't know, man, Ben Simmons, one of the most disappointing basketball players in recent memory. Like, he should be a lot better than this on offense, and, like, he's not in large part because he doesn't shoot. And so, like, outside of Ben Simmons in transition, and with this being the playoffs, like, the game is going to be played in the half court. Like, I just don't know. I just don't know how the Sixers are going to do anything. I, like, I don't know, Brad. Do you have any of it? Like, how, how are the Sixers going to score? Like, I feel like we're going to we're going to run into a similar problem that that the Knicks had. Like, even though, like, Tobias Harris, they have good offensive players. But, I mean, I don't know. Like, it it's just not the same without Embiid. Like, I just don't see how they're going to score consistently enough. Whereas I, I feel fairly confident, like, 
the Sixers aren't going to be able to put lineups that can either stop the Hawks or score enough to compete. Like, and I, I just, I just, I, I don't like, I don't like the Sixers roster at the moment. Uh, no, I just don't like without, I, without Embiid. It's like it's this massive hole for this team. Yeah, I, I understand for sure. I mean, I, I think that they are still they have more options offensively than the Knicks had, but that's kind of a low bar. And I think, you know, I've said multiple times now, like, if, if MB was gone I, entirely, I would just pick the Hawks flat out. I think the Hawks are just better at that point. I, I think that, um, I, I think, I don't know, Philly just has less, um, less holes. Like, I agree with you on Simmons' half-court offense, but he can run a little bit, obviously. I think Harris has been good this year. He's not incredible, but I, I trust him more than Randall, for, ex- for example. I think Seth Curry uh, is a, kind of a monster. And obviously, if you're keying on him, which you could be able to do a lot more without Embiid, it's easier to slow him down. But and Danny Green will make some shots. And but I, I generally agree with you though. Like they, they wouldn't scare me offensively without Embiid. And that's backed up in the numbers. Before I brought you in, I, I did this on my intro, but they were a you know pretty shaky to below average to even worse than that offense. Whatever Embiid was off the court all year long, and that. There's a little bit of noise in there, obviously, because he's playing with some bench line, all that stuff. But I think your eye test tells you the same thing. They don't have a ton of offensive talent. They have some, but I think the Hawks can can stop them regularly if Embiid is not there. And I think Philly's defense will be pretty good, actually, um, even with Embiid out. I think they will still be able to play some decent defense. But the Hawks, especially if they can offensive rebound, which they probably will be able to, I would imagine, especially if Dwight's off the court. There is a there's a lot of paths to success um, if we assume Embiid is not there, obviously. And if Embiid's there, then it's it's tougher. But as you said earlier, like he's probably not going to be a hundred percent. It just does. I can't imagine that actually being the case. And if he is, then you tip your cap, I guess. Well, let let's talk about if he's not there first, right? And I think like you had Jackson on on his podcast, and he talked about how the Sixers have this size. Typically, when Embiid is healthy. They have this size advantage over teams because they start, you know, uh, Embiid, Harris, and Simmons, and those guys are all, you know, six, eight, six, nine, and above with Embiid being like seven two or whatever. And so, like, typically, you know, they come into the games with a massive size advantage, but like against the Hawks, even if Embiid is in there, that size advantage doesn't exist. The Hawks are pretty big outside of Trey Young, right? And if, like, to me, like, if they're not going to start Dwight Howard, I guess that means they're going to switch. And, like, switching against John Collins and DeAndre Hunter, I mean, we saw we saw it against the Knicks. Like, if nothing else, DeAndre Hunter's mid-range game is still legit over smaller opponents. Like, he can still mix up. Like, you can't, like, if Seth Curry's going to start, there's no hiding Seth Curry anywhere uh, against the Hawks, especially if you're going to switch, too. Like, that's that's a sore. In general, anybody not named Ben Simmons guarding John Collins on the post is just going to be, like, it's going to be easy points in the post. Like, they'll just run, like, the Hawks will just run post plays or they'll, they'll run screen and rolls to get, uh, a switch and then like just have Collins on a smaller guy and he'll just rise up and shoot over somebody who's smaller than him and like I and this goes back to my I really don't like for the for the Sixers like I just don't like the lineups that they're going to have to play like to me Simmons at center against this Hawks team because he can't shoot I mean, it's not, and even, even, even setting that aside, like, man, I, like, going into the game one, if, if, if Embiid's not on the floor, I'd think about putting it, uh, Capella on Danny Green and being like, we're just going to switch everything, right? And, like, if, and we'll double whenever they try to get Trey Young matched up on, like, Tobias Harris or Ben Simmons, but, like, who cares, right? Are you going to make 60% of your three-pointers? Because we're going to grab every rebound. Like, I feel like the math is just not in the Sixers' favor at that point. Like, I, I don't 
just due to the lack of size and both Capella's and, and Collins' ability to really clean up the glass on both ends. Like, it's just, a, to me, I, I just find it tough sledding for him uh, if Embiid can't play. But if he can, which I think he he's going to give it a go, I do think so just because of how well that, that team has played this year and Embiid's a pretty prideful person, but, like, well, and and the fact and the fact that they have that they haven't ruled him out, and they haven't. Yeah. I mean, they're talking about pain management and all this stuff, and it it does feel like. And then we're, we are guessing, but even people like that know more than I do that I've tried to talk to, like that people seem to say that he's going to at least try to play. Now, if he can't play, then we'll see that pretty quickly, and we'll learn more. Like, obviously, we're at a disadvantage right now because we're we're trying to record this on you know Thursday into Friday, and. We won't even get an official injury report until Saturday evening, so like we're even more guessing right now. But I, I would also guess that he probably tries to play at some point. Yeah, and like if Embiid plays, like I think the the Sixers, even if he's limited, like I think the Sixers are going to be a lot better, just in general, just due to the fact that you know he's a he's seven one and he can shoot, and he's still going to have his post skills. But like, I mean, the issue with that is a hobbled Embiid. Like, Capella, Capella gives him issues on the offensive glass. Like, Capella has played some great basketball against the beat throughout his career. Like, it's been a – like, he's had some games where he's bested him. And, like, Capella has the size, length, athleticism to compete with Embiid even when he's fully healthy. And with him being hobbled, like, like I, I just – I. I feel like it's going to be a struggle for Embiid to really just move and do what he needs to do on a on a bad knee. Because like, well, yeah, and the thing is, if, I... if, if, the thing is, if Embiid was healthy enough to play, he would have played. You know, game four, or game five against the Wizards, like he would have played. Like, I I, th- I think so too, but also there's the the whole there's the whole game theory aspect of that. I, I tend to agree with you, but I also think that if they had lost game five. It would have gotten interesting. I do think that there probably was deep down in the recesses somewhere, like they probably understood that, look, we're a lot better than the Wizards. And if we can give him a few days, that might be a good idea. Now, again, I'm guessing if that was a, if they were playing a real opponent, I would have been yeah. more interested to see if they were going to try to play him there. But because, I, you know, it, it just seemed like they knew, not that they would definitely win game five, but they were not in danger of losing that series. Even without Embiid, it didn't seem like so. Like that, that kind of gives you more, honestly, even more uncertainty. Because I agree with you. Normally, like he would have tried to play, but this is a situation where you had a really, really, really bad eight seed, and they probably might, they might have at least thought about it. And that lens, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like it, it sucks for the Sixers. Like it, it really does. It sucks for the series. I mean, honestly, like yeah. I, 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 I know, it, I know, Hawks really fans want to win, it, but it puts it, it puts it down on the series in the sense that. I really felt like if the if Embiid was fully healthy, like the Hawks would have gave them real problems in ways that because the Hawks have always given the Sixers team problems. Like, I mean, we we can't count this season because you know when when we when they played each other, everybody was hurt on one side or the other, um, and so like you know you know the the Sixers beat the brakes off the the Hawks uh, both times. Uh, at their home floor, but like on one of the games, Trey Young didn't play. Nobody played those games. I mean, Trey played the second game, was limited, and they had no Hunter and no Herder and no Bogdanovich. No Bogdanovich. Oh, yeah, Herder also didn't play. Herder, he, he missed both those games. Yep. yep. Oh, wow. Yeah. They, they were yeah, not. So I, I said this before I actually brought you in. It's kind of, it's kind of funny. I, I sort of intro and said this earlier, but none of the three games could tell you anything. The first game, Philly had no one but Embiid. They were playing Embiid with, like, Dakota Mathias. And, like, it was a non-competitive game in Atlanta. So, like, none of the three tell you anything, honestly. It's unfortunate, but it's true. <laughs> All I will say, though, is that, you know, the core the core of this team has been together for a while, even though they, they're playing on a new coach. And they have, you know, more shooting with Seth Curry. But, you know, and... You know, Lloyd Pierce was the coach at the time, but the Hawks have always given, even when they were a lot worse, when they were really bad, Hawks have always given this team problems, particularly Trey Young, because they really don't have a guy. Like, they have a sim, like to me, they have a similar problem to the Knicks, and that they don't really, one, it speaks to, there's not really any guy you can put on Trey Young. 
I think the Sixers believe this to be Ben Simmons and Matisse Thybul. It has to be. I don't know. I mean, I agree. I agree with you, number one, in that Simmons is really Tybal. good on defense, but he's not a great matchup for Trey Young. And same with Ty. Tybal's a really good, like, opportunist, opportunistic guy. He's not like a complete and utter lockdown one-on-one guy. Like, the length is going to may, maybe be interesting, I mean, but no. The thing with Tybal is, like, if he's gambling, like, Trey's going to eat him up with fouls. Like, he's just going to get him in foul trouble. And if he's not gambling, then he's just going to blow by him. So, it's a... Like, Tyler's got to be smart. Like, if Tyler's going to guard Trey Young, like, on the one hand, they're all going to defend Trey Young better in the sense that they're not, like, playing super physical with Trey Young is, like, the opposite of what you need to do. You kind of need to just play Trey straight up, stay in front of him, and make him make shots. Like, you can't give him, you can't give him the run. I mean, yeah. Philly, Philly has yeah. more defensive talent than you. I, I know I know the Knicks were good on defense this year. No one's taking that away from them. But if you look at that roster up and down, they don't have elite talent defensively. Sixers have a lot more defensive talent than the Knicks do. Like, even but, even without a beat. The only, my, my only counter is that they do, but it won't matter if they're switching. Oh no! I mean, I agree with you in general about the like, about Trey. Like Trey's gonna. I, I don't. I don't worry. If I'm the Hawks, I don't worry about Trey not being able to do Trey stuff in this series. Like, here's here's my thing, and it it really like they really need Embiid to play like flat out because starting Dwight Howard is isn't an option. Like that's just not an answer. But like, they really need Embiid out there because because they they. To me, going into the series before, you know, this meniscus tear, the thing with playing the Sixers, I was my, my thought process was force Ben Simmons to guard John Collins. Like, that would have been my game plan. Modus operandi number one is to force that matchup because Tobias Harris really can't handle John Collins' athleticism and physicality on the inside. Um, and, like, that's been borne out throughout the battles they've played against each other, like I, John, like Vince, like Tobias is just not strong enough, and he's not athletic enough to hang with uh, John on that end of the floor. So, like the Hawks really, if we want to talk about things they did poorly, I thought I really did feel like the Hawks did a poor job of getting John involved in the offense consistently. Like it was too much of him hanging out in the corner when. I mean, Nate Duncan said it best in a tweet. Like, the Hawks' offense just is so much better when John Collins is getting the ball and is involved in the action and is a scoring threat rather than just being a spot-up shooter. Like, it just is. Like, they get better looks. The ball moves better. Like, the, the looks are easier. The ball movement's crisper. Everybody's – like, there's just more energy to the flow of the offense compared to, like, Capella because Capella's just such a limited offensive player. And so this, like, to me, if Embiid is either hobbled or is either out or limited, like, I, I feel like this is a series where we got to get Ben Simmons guarding John Collins so that we can free up Bogdan Bogdanovich, DeAndre Hunter, Trey Young, whoever, whoever isn't being guarded by Ben Simmons or Matisse Thibault um, can get going offensively. Like, I think it's weird they're going to be a lot more one-on-one uh, just based on based on the matchups and based on it's going to be a lot more matchup hunting for both teams like and so that it's going to be it's going to be a fun tactical series in a way that the Knicks uh, Hawks game wasn't but <laughs> yes there's actually some stuff to like get into I mean and about Collins I've been saying for a while and I don't think it's going to happen because we just haven't seen it I, I want them to try him more on the second unit, and they just they just don't have any interest in doing that. I don't think, um, and that's okay. I mean, it's worked to this point. Maybe, maybe if they have back, I, I, I don't know. If Gallo continues to be poorly, play poorly like he did in the first series, I mean, yeah, it should be Collins and the Congo on the back line. Well, on, just, on just something like stagger them. Both. I mean, it, it's a pretty natural thing, and it's not always this simple, but it's a way to juice your second unit offense. If you can get him on the court without Trey and yes, so, he's better with Trey, but Trey, you know, so is Capella. Like, Capella needs to play with Trey more than anybody offensively and defensively. Cause he, he covers up for him defense on, on defense and plays with him well on offense. Collins 
yes, he's better with Trey on offense, but like you can play him with Lou and have and get away with that, and it might help your offense to feature him a little bit more. I mean, they, have, right. they just haven't done it very it, much. It feels like the issue is Nate really doesn't want Gallo and Collins on the floor at the same time if DeAndre Hunter's not on there as well. He's right? He's been trying to... Uh, he's trying he's trying to get, like he like I feel like he's trying to find a lineup that works with Gallo and Collins. And like the issue is that Gallo is just so slow. Capella has to be on the floor. Like I, I, I think that's like the like the biggest overarching issue. And like they they and like the disappointing thing is that Gallo is just has been really bad if Trey Young's not on the floor. Like I think I think we want to boil it down, like all the issues coalesce it. Is that because Gallo needs Trey Young on the floor, you know, Nate is trying to manage his minutes in a way to maximize those lineups. But I, I'm with you 100%. Like, it doesn't make sense that they have Lou Williams and they're not running John Collins, Lou Williams, pick and roll to death on the second unit. Like, I I don't get that. They're doing, they're doing more Lou Capella. Um, stuff, I guess, because they're, you know, they used to play with each other, but, like, again, Capella's just not, he's just not the offensive force that John Collins is, and the Hawks aren't, the Hawks aren't really maximizing what Collins could do on offense, and, like, they, they're going to, if they, if they want to do more, like, if MB was healthy, like, if they, if they wanted to put a scare in the Hawks, they have to maximize all the players they have, and, like, just having Collins you know, shooting threes in the corner while a good, you know, it's good offense. Well, uh, especially against the Knicks, because the Knicks, um, as we joked about multiple times, just decide not to guard him out there, which is not going to work. Like, he's too good for that. Um, but the Sixers won't do that, I don't think. I mean, maybe you have to pick your poison. That was somebody, somebody wrote me, wrote me back when I tweeted that. And I was like, you know, I guess if you're the opposition, you, you could decide that your best thing to give up is Collins threes. It's just not a good scenario for you because he's too good at that shot to give that up. And it's not just that. Like, he's also pretty good at putting the ball on the floor and getting to his spots in the mid-range. Like, it's yeah. not... It's not going to It's more than just... <laughs> like, he, like, here's the thing. John Collins is a natural scorer. Like, that... that His best skill as a basketball player is putting the ball on the hoop. Like, and leaving him open is just not a good idea anywhere on the floor. Like, no, I mean... Just, and to the last thing, I'm, I'm going to say this before, but... Uh, Nate, I've said this a couple times, but Nate's big on keeping guys in combinations and roles, and you can you can debate that, and I, I have at times, but he he really does believe in like guys playing with guys that they're going to play with, and he does not like to change combinations a ton. He's kind of consistent about that, and has said as much about like second units and guys getting familiar in the roles, and uh, that's why I don't think that they will probably do this. Um, but I would like to see it even, it's also the same question that I, that I always get about, um, you know, about the stagger and Trey and bogey. And they finally did that, but even then they're still playing together a ton cause he likes them together. And it's just little things. Uh, they finally did it. I think cause he got, uh, you know, he got, he got probably put pressured into it by somebody, but, um, I don't know. It worked out well. I, I just wish that they would have tried it at some point before now, because I, I don't think he's going to do it now unless they get down like, you know, two, one in the series or something like that. No, but to be fair, like, what time during the season could he have tried it? Well, right? yeah, exactly. I mean, that's uh, yeah. To, I'm not trying to pick on him because you're right. There's no, they didn't, they never had all their guys, and when they did have Colin, I mean, Collins was healthy for the most part, but they when when he was out there, like, they needed to rely on him with the starters because they didn't have Hunter healthy or they didn't they didn't have Gallo healthy or whatever. So, and I think this is a big series for Gallo. You, I know you mentioned him earlier. Because he uh, he had the one good game offensively, but he was pretty bad offensively in, I think, four of the five, at least three of the five, I think maybe four of the five games, um, but was actually okay defensively uh, at times in that Knicks series. Now, this time around, though, he doesn't have a great place to hide, I don't think, on defense, um, other than when maybe Dwight's out there. But even then, like uh, you're probably going to have to have him guarded by whoever else. So... I don't know. I, I this is an interesting one for like Gallo's gonna have to make shots in this series to be on the floor in the way that he didn't make shots a ton in the next series. I think. Yeah, yeah. Gallo's gotta. Um, I mean, he's just gotta play better. Like he's gotta get in a better rhythm. He's gotta punish mismatches. Mismatches, which is what he did during the regular season. Like, I mean, and he's gotta make his shots. Like, you know, 
That's why we got you here to be a great shooter. Well, and even the, the one game he the one game he made his threes, he missed all of his twos. He was like four of eight yeah. from the floor and four of four from three. So he's due for one. Like that's one thing that we know about Gallinari is that when he gets hot, he gets uh, quite hot, and that'd be very useful. He, he he could win you a half, win you a game, getting hot like that. Um, same with Lou. Like Lou's the same caliber. Like you can he can win you a half, going nuts. Um, but you can't necessarily just like, rely on that to be a thing that happens over and over but again. I, I think what my thing is with me and Gallo is like, you know, Nate does have the Akonku option. And especially if MB's not out there, I really like Akonku playing uh, if Ben Simmons is going to play the five. Like, I think I would lean more on that than playing Gallo at all. Like, I, I, I'm interested to see if Nate is willing to bench because, you know, that's something I, I thought they might do um, in the next series. And it turned out, you know, Gallo showed up defensively. But, like, you know, against against a better Sixers team in which, you know, Ben Simmons is going to – I mean, he's got his speed and his athleticism. And, like, Gallo cannot move. And so, I'm interested to see if the Sixers are going to play a lot of Ben Simmons at the five if – Nate will counter by just playing Akongu more. Because I thought, you know, throughout the series, Akongu played well. My my biggest issue with Akongu playing typically just boils down to he's he's just not good enough offensively to be on the floor. Right? Uh, compared to compared to like, you know, Collins losing minutes uh with the backline unit or or Gallo. Like he's just not he can't shoot. And the Hawks need more offense. But his defense has always been pretty good, and he's gotten better. And like, if he gets to if he gets to play against lines where he has a physical advantage, like he he can really impose his physicality on on uh, on teams that way as a switch defender. Which I think the Hawks are going to do a lot more switching in this series. And so I think Okongwu is going to be like I feel like Nate needs to use the weapons that he has. Um, you know, instead of relying on Gallo, like if Gallo doesn't have to have it going like. Nate's got to recognize that and get, you know, Park, Akongu, just play Collins and DeAndre Hunter at the four full time. And, I mean, I, and I have Akongu more out there. I, I was encouraged, um, and I said this, but it, by game five, this is a little thing, but the fact that he was willing to go for the kill and play Trey 41 minutes and play the starters the final nine plus minutes in game five was encouraging to me because he's going to have to play more aggressively with rotations and decisions in this series. Like, he got away with being pretty straight ahead against the Knicks because they were just better than the Knicks. But, I mean, he got away with it in game one and then in game Well, two, no, game two like, it burned them. But even then, he did – I mean, he started staggering from there. But even then, they weren't pushing minutes a ton. Like, they were just kind of doing it a little bit more strategically, which was which was smart. But Which, to be fair, to be fair to Nate, they all knew they were so much better. Than well, that, that's what I'm saying. Like he didn't have to do it. I, I just and and that's why I was encouraged by Game Five. I don't want, I don't want to overstate yeah. it, but he did show that he was willing to like look. We're gonna we're gonna do this. And when he brought those guys back in, you do the math. It's like all right, if they leave, the, if they have to play the rest of the way, Trey's gonna be 41, 42 minutes, and that's not like overwhelming. That's totally fine. He's a young guy. He's durable, and I'm fine with that. But they had not shown the willingness to do willingness. that until then. Yeah. And he did it. So I'm not saying play Trey 43 minutes a game in the series. You don't have to do that. But when you need to do it, you got to do it in the playoffs. And that's the thing. And that's why I was not sure he was going to be able to do. And now we'll see. Uh, just because. I mean, it was. It, it felt like the really first time where he, like, at the end of the at the end of the third quarter, he brought Trey and Bogey back. Yeah. Right? No. I mean. He, I mean, granted, they didn't get the off, they didn't get the rebound. Which, there was like, yeah, there was like thirty seconds still. in that in game five where neither one of them were on the floor. They went to the bench unit for like literally like one possession. Yeah, so they were because they get stops and like the yeah you know the court and that and that was it and, they, and, and then I mean I I, lo- I loved it. In fact, that you know I was we were talking about it in Slack and when they went to that timeout, I was like, you know, it might be time for the starters or at least Trey. And I thought he might bring Trey back, but he he brought them all back in, and I was like, all right, well. That's a great sign because that means you're going for this. He knows it's time. Like if they play well here, it's the series is over, and that's what happened. They just blew it. They blew it open. And that was it. But you know, against Philly, again, my opinion still is that even if they don't have Embiid, I think Philly is better than New York. Now that's that's a low bar for sure, but they're going to have a bigger challenge in this series, even if you rule Embiid out than they did in in the, in the opening round, and that's 
Not a small thing. I, I, I've said before, again, I think the Hawks are better than the Sixers if Embiid is not playing. Like, definitively better. But you still have to go on the road. The Sixers are awesome at home. They have been for two straight years. They're awesome at home always. And then, you know, they, they have more talent than New York did. So, I don't know. It's I'm intrigued, man. There'll be a lot of adjustments to make. I think Doc is a good coach. I think Doc is better than Tibbs, like, pretty clearly um, in a playoff series. So that's an, that's an advantage the Hawks won't have. I thought, I thought Nate was, like, full stop better than Tibbs in the last series. Uh, you can't rely on that in this series. I think Doc is um, as good, for sure, as Nate is. So we'll see. Um, I don't know. I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm excited for it, honestly. I want to see it all. And personally, this is this is where I put my analyst hat on. I want it. I want Embiid to play because I want it to be the best. I you know I'm not. I I, I get it. If Hawks fans don't want Embiid to play, I understand because you want to win, and I and I totally get it. I would like to see the Hawks play a semi full strength team to see where they are. I mean. That's where I yeah, because we we don't know we don't know where they are and they got big decisions to make in offseason exactly right and so and like like they have all these decisions to make and we don't know what this team is we know they're we, good we know, we know they're good yeah we know they're, we don't know how good me, I'm, I speculated I've been I've been speculating like if this team was healthy all year they would have had home court and they would have been battling for a top three seed as well like they would have been clear cut above above you know the Knicks Celtics heat trifecta that they were battling throughout the year like they would have been clearly above that but they were hurt and also uh they they were playing under a different coach which I mean the coaching change made a real difference to the offense and like I don't know I I, I think It'll be it'll be fascinating to see what I'm, I'm fa- like. I'm still fascinated, even if Embiid isn't out there, what the Sixers are going to do defensively. Because I'm, I'm like, I think they can do some interesting things, but I'm also like, I trust. Like, I just I just trust this Hawks offense. Like, it's like, and this is a really talented Hawks team. I've been saying this all year. I feel like they have as much talent as NBA anybody in the NBA. But do they have the, like, will they have the composure when they're playing a real team that can go on real runs? Like, Seth Curry can go for 30. And it's like, are you guys on the fold? Because Seth Curry is, is uh, giving it to you guys, or are you guys going to keep playing and, you know, keep executing? Like, it'll be, I mean, it, it'll be, it's going to be a fun series. And, like, I mean, Brad, the Hawks have a real shot to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals for, like, the second time in, like, 100 years. The second time since they moved to Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, full stop. I mean, and I would I would have said that on this show. I promise you I would have said that, even if Embiid was healthy. Exactly. But they ha- but, but they have a bigger chance. They have a much bigger chance now um, because, like we both said 100 times already on this podcast, even if Embiid is playing, it's not likely he's going to be 100% of Joel Embiid. So, and honestly, 80% of Joel Embiid is really, is really good, man. So, that's tough too, but he's really see. he's really good, but like it's just different, Brad. Like there's just stuff. No, I mean, and there's this there's this feeling that uh, B because he's so huge, it's like oh, if he could just get out there, he'll be fine. And it's like well, but if he can't nah, man, move, like, that's what that's it, what I'm saying. Uh, there's this feeling it's that different. you and I agree on this. I I think I've I've already seen it on Hawks Twitter in a couple places. Like no. I, he could still be effective, limited because because he is so big and he's so skilled, but he's not going to be able to dominate, particularly defensively, if he is not mobile. And that's uh, and, huge. And like, and that just goes to my overall advantage. Like, if he's not dominant offensively, at the end of the day, how are the Sixers going to get consistently good offense? Because the Hawks are going to get consistently good offense. Even if Embiid is healthy, like, yes, the Sixers are a great defense, but like, it is so hard. Like, and I feel like people are starting to understand that Trey Young is such a matchup nightmare because he can make shots from anywhere on the floor and make every pass. Like, it's and he's and he's relentless, like Red Trey Young. If he spots a weakness, he's going to run the same play over. Like, like if he sees that you're you guys are doing something, 
that's going to lead to easy offense or easy free throws, he's going to keep doing it until you do something else. And so, like, these teams are going to really, I feel like, you know, and you can't trap them anymore. That's the other thing. Like, you can't just double team them 50 feet away from the rim because Mokey's there. DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, like, all three of those guys can make a play with the ball in their hands if they have an advantage. And so, like, that's not really a solution to just double team. So you got to play them straight up. And, like, that's why this this roster is really well built. Shout out to Travis Schlank. Like, he, you know, he he's had some misses. But, like, this, I mean, he really nailed this roster. And now that they're healthy, even though they're missing cameras, now that they're healthy, like, we get to see what, the, what this team can do. Like, we, people... People outside of Atlanta can see the potential of this team. Not even if they don't win this series. Like I feel like what's ultimately going to come down to is people going to realize like this Hawks team is super talented, and they're young, and they got a core of guys who are under on you know rookie contracts. And it's like that's how you build. Like that's how you build something that could win a title, right? Like you know people dismiss like. I feel like people put Trey in the small box and they were like, well, he's going to be like Kimball Walker in the playoffs. Like, I, And I feel like he kind of disproved that, even though it's one series. I, I get it, but like, it, it's just, Trey's just a different caliber of talent, offensive talent than any small, any small basketball player in a long, that's played basketball in a long time. And so it'll be, it'll be fun to see like in it, I mean, this this team has a real shot to make. Like, but like Eastern Conference Finals, they got a shot to make the NBA Finals if you make it there. Like, you got a chance. There's no LeBron James to ruin everybody's day anymore. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. I think obviously they'd be. I'm not looking past. I'm not looking past the series, but I'm just saying, like in general, like none of these Eastern Conference teams in general. Like I said this, I said this last year, uh, and I said this during the season. None of these teams should scare the Hawks just because everybody has a flaw. All these teams are not perfect. And, like, they don't have that. They don't – like, LeBron James really was a perfect player, is a perfect player in that sense. And they – you know, those Cavs teams would coast on the regular season, but in the playoffs you would see that the biggest weakness teams had was that you always had to play one small guy that LeBron James could really take advantage of. But guess what? There's only one LeBron James that can do that. Like, people will talk about matchup hunting. But LeBron James is the only one who can really, really burn a team doing that consistently all the time. Like, like other guys are just different, wired different basketball players. Like, they're just not that level of, like, they don't have that level of basketball IQ, size, strength, skill, athleticism, all that combined in one package. Like, there's only one of those LeBrons. And so now that the NBA is kind of wide open, like I feel like the Hawks have a real shot here to do something in the playoffs, which coming into the season, nobody thought they could do. Like nobody thought they could win a first round series. And they won it comfortably. Regardless of how good or bad you thought this Knicks team was, there have been, when the Hawks won 60 games, they didn't win games comfortably in the playoffs. The Hawks never won a series comfortably in the playoffs, except for like, two times uh in the Mike Woodson like Larry Drew era. Yeah. They no, were I mean, always there were always weird struggles against way worse teams. Well that's why I tried to stress how, how, how good that win was because yeah, I mean they they played a pretty bad opponent in the first round. But they, they still beat they still beat them convincingly and they should have won all five games. So like you can prove like, it this, for this sure. Is something, but... This is this is something that no Hawks team had ever done. Like period. Like with from my time being a fan of the Hawks, none of them have ever done this, except for, like, I think one time in, like, 08, 09, when they first got good. Um, but, no, like, I... so this is a... The, and, the reason, and, the reason why, and the reason why they were comfortably able to do this against the Knicks, if we want to boil it down, is that, uh, sadly, against what experts thought, Trey Young was far away the best player on the floor. Oh, not even and close. he has an opportunity to do it again in this series. Even 
like, and I would have felt that even if Embiid was healthy, just because of what Trey Young can do on the offensive end of the floor. Like, I, I'm, I've been super high on Trey Young's offensive ceiling. Like, I really think when he's on, he might be the best offensive player in the NBA. Like, I really do feel that. I'm signing. Wait, off, I'm signing off on that tick right there. I, 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 want that, I want that to be the end right there. That's all. I, that's all I needed to hear today. Was that? Leave it. Just leave it out there. Like, it's fine. No, I'm, I was. I'm pleased with you. It's not. Fine. It's not saying. It's not saying he's he's the best player in the NBA. But I'm saying. I know. Especially if he's making his threes, he's literally unguardable. He is. Uh, he like, is unguardable. That is true. And so, I don't know. I just feel like with his offensive ceiling plus the defensive talent of DeAndre Hunter, Clint Capella, Onyeka, Conwell, and John Collins. I would add John Collins on that on those ranks due to his versatility on the defensive end. Like I feel like the Hawks have enough to really do something. But like I said, they could go well well away. MB might not play a single game. They could still lose the series. They could still lose it. This this sixteen, even without Embiid, is good, like you said. Like, That's what I said. I mean the, 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 I I, I said that I would pick the Hawks played. in a series if Embiid didn't play. They could still lose to the Sixers pretty easily. Absolutely. Like that's not a, not no no one on this podcast is saying this is going to be an easy series. Uh, I am not saying that. Uh, although you na- again you nailed Hawks and Hawks and five in the first round. So congrats congrats to you on that. Um, all right, Tyler. I think we've we've probably covered it. We're 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 almost an hour in, but uh, it should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I know you are as well. Hopefully you'll be able to. Uh, not melt down. I think you were uh, you were pretty under, under control in the first round. I was, I was proud of you. No meltdowns that I saw, anyway. They, I mean, the Hawks were playing well, so I didn't have to, you know, except for that game two. But I, I was sympathetic to their plight in game two. That next crowd was incredible. Uh, yeah, and, the first uh, two games, especially, they were. Uh, it was. It was Hawks. rather. It was. It was. I was. I was. I was impressed by the Hawks' composure in game one, and I wasn't surprised that a young team who hadn't played together all season couldn't like just get it going in that game. Like they just couldn't get it going. Like that's the only time that they played. I felt like they actually played poorly in it. And the thing is playing against the Knicks, like they really, the Hawks are really just playing against themselves. Like to me, I don't know if you felt like that, but it really just felt like the Hawks were playing against themselves because they, they were just so much better than the Knicks. But this series, like, even if Embiid isn't out there, like, they're not that much. Like, they're they're the more talented team. But, like, they're not. The, the Sixers got plenty of talent on that side as well. And so they're going to have to – they're going to have to fight. Uh, Trey Young's going to get picked on way more than he get it against the Knicks because the, the Sixers actually have some offensive talent. And so it's going to be interesting to see how Trey responds to that. I think he's going to do pretty well, like, Trey's a weird guy. Uh, he, 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 like, I feel like when he's, when teams deliberately try to pick on him, he plays better. And so, like, I think, I don't know, like, trying to, it, it, it also, like, picking on him also activates him in ways defensively that um, the other team doesn't expect. And he tends to, like, just bring more effort and energy on that side of the floor. And so, and also, like I said, the Hawks have the person of the item. Like, they just do uh, with DeAndre Hunter back. That's why DeAndre Hunter was so important when, when he got healthy. And so, it'll be a fun series. Hopefully, you know, the Hawks can pull it out. Uh, I don't know if you want me to give a prediction or anything. But, go uh, go ahead. Fire away. We're here. Might as well. <sighs> I think Embiid's going to play. I think he's going to play pretty well, too. But I think he's going to be limited just enough to where the Hawks win at six. Um, but I could see. But if if the Hawks find something that the Sixers can't counter, and that something might be offensive rebounding, which didn't show up in the Knicks series until the final game. So, like, if if the Hawks are if the Hawks are offensive rebounding, if it either Embiid's limited or out. And they're and they're rebounding at the rate that they should, considering their their size advantage. Like it could it could get bad for the Sixers, but I think the Sixers are going to have enough counters uh, for the Hawks just in general. But 
like just overall, like I, I really do like the Hawks size. Uh, really, in particular, like Bogey and DeAndre against the Sixers wings. If they're if they're gonna put so much energy into guarding Trey Young with their best wings, like that's gonna leave one of those guys against a bad defender, and I think they're gonna really eat. And that might just be the difference uh, for them to win at six. There you go. You heard it here first. Well, you're, you're one for one on predictions, so uh, I think Hawks fans will be happy if you're two for two. We will see uh, in a while, maybe a week and a half, two weeks. Uh, thank you, sir, for joining me, as always. We'll do this again in the near future, I'm sure. Um, any any animated plug, or uh, you got you good to get out of here? Animated plug? No, not really. <laughs> uh, I haven't... I've been behind on this season. I got to catch up. It's just been a lot going on uh, in the household. And it's also, it's also super busy at work at the moment. Like uh, I know me and you both are kind of super busy. So I hope, I hope people are, are giving you some, some slack, you know, Brad, you're nah. the hardest working man in the business. No slack here, my sir. No, no um, slack. And like, you know, I got bailed out. I, this, I said this on Twitter, but I got I got very lucky that the Hawks won game game uh, game five because I was in trouble on on Friday night. So I was very happy yeah. with that. So shout out to the Hawks for bailing me out on that one. That was good. Yeah, you should uh, thank Nate next time you talk to him uh, for you know putting his foot down. Yes, I, I uh, I'll send <laughs> Nate a gift basket for that nine forty four uh, substitution pattern. Um, anyway, yeah, thanks for doing this, man. Um, Follow Tyler if you would like to follow Tyler on Twitter, and hopefully Jones E two X four on Twitter. No meltdowns in the playoffs. Keep keep the streak alive, my friend. Mm. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. As for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, this is going to be it, I believe, unless there's huge breaking news between now and Game One. This will be uh, the last last show until after Game One. I'll be back after that game with all of the uh, normal stuff, and we'll see you guys next time.